Mr. Tony and Dorian. We thank you for the word that Rebels will preach to us tonight. you for your love. Thank you for calling us, Lord. Thank you for giving a place together in your name. Thank you for your righteousness that we've inherited. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that your word never returns to receive this word tonight, this truth. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and we worship you, Father. Amen. Thank you for your presence. Thank you. Father, that the work that you began in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua, Yahweh. Though from the world we may see that there is no way, Lord, help us to see in a heavenly perspective that your way is greater than all that we may think is, our, is from our own. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for always being there with us, for counseling us and guiding us in the wisdom of God. Thank you for always chasing after our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for, for redeeming us with the blood on that cross. Thank you for everything that you've done and you will continue to do within our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I, I like to choose um, some people to pray now. I think I speak too much for the whole Wednesday, so I like to take the load off me. How are we all today? We good? Are we ready for today? I really preach for an hour, so let's see how long this goes for. How are we all today? Good? Good? Doesn't sound convincing. <laughs> yeah. Good to be here, thank God. 
So what have I been preaching about? What did I preach about last week? How to walk in your calling. How many people here, they believe in the Lord Jesus? Put your hands up. How many people are exploring or testing the waters? No one? And God. So I can be, I can be firm, yeah? <laughs> I don't mean to put anyone on the spot. So the most dangerous verse that I spoke about last week is that many are called, but a few are chosen. What's that mean? Is that the Lord's doing, or is that our flaws? <clears throat> so many are called, but a few are chosen. I spoke about it, that that's in the context regarding the Pharisees. He spoke that scripture, and he was speaking it regarding the Pharisees. So I spoke about last week, what are traits and characteristics and fruits of a Pharisee? And how walking and operating as a Pharisee by the Spirit can actually disqualify you from being called by the Lord. We agree? Yes? No? So we always have to read Scripture in context to understand who is he actually dealing with. So <clears throat> every one of us have a calling, right? But not every one of us is chosen. And can I ask you something? What does it mean to be chosen from the Lord? How does the Lord put the stamp of approval that you have been chosen? Let's see. Who gets this? So, how does the Lord put the stamp of approval that you have been chosen? Open a Bible, open up a Bible study and just start preaching anything? How does the Lord put His stamp of approval that you have been chosen? How do you think the Lord does this? Anyone here? Please don't be quiet now. Last week I couldn't stop you. This week no one wants to talk. So how does the Lord put the stamp of approval that you have been chosen? See, many are called, but a few are chosen. How does he put his stamp of approval? How did Jesus put his stamp of approval on Paul? It's something easy. How did Jesus put his stamp of approval on Paul, the great Paul? What's that? Yeah, but what did Jesus do? Exactly. <clears throat> See, a lot of people... Yeah. Oh, sorry, boss. Okay. So, you have to encounter him. Okay, so you have to encounter him. See, a lot of people... This is the mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people encounter him... For salvation, but that's not enough. Are we listening, someone? A lot of people encounter him for salvation, but that doesn't instruct you what he's called you to do on earth, did it? Did it? No? No, it didn't. So you have to be, you need to encounter the Lord regarding your calling on earth. 
and the direction that he wants to move you. So I speak about myself. When the Lord come to me, he healed me from depression, anxiety, suicide, failure, everything you can think I went through it. But one year later, one year later, I can't remember exactly. But one year later, I asked the Lord, what did you plan for me on earth? And then he took me to heaven. Does everyone know the story or do you don't know? I'll share quickly. I don't want to share too much about me. It's not about me today. But he took me to heaven and he opened up the Bible. I didn't know it was Jesus till the end. And this is what he said to me. I was on a balcony maybe two to three hundred meters wide. And there was a man with a microphone and a Bible in his hand. And he said to me, open the Bible. And I opened it to only one page. I couldn't see anything else. And the verse read, he sent his word and healed them from all the destruction. And it was highlighted. And he said, look at all these people here, millions. Demon-possessed, mentally ill, broken-hearted, different religious sects. And he said, all these people I prepared for you, bring them back to me. And I didn't know it was Jesus to the end. It's like it was on purpose meant to happen like that. And he said, I make a promise to you. He said, build a shelter in your backyard, and I'm going to come out of the clouds and I'm going to show you my face. Now, I have a massive photo by the grace of God when he came, the day that I finished it. And he said, he said, I'll come out of the clouds and I'll show you my face. And he said, I have something to tell you. And he said, here, take the microphone. He said, glorify my name. And when I come to terms, it's Jesus speaking to me. He's gone. So I woke up. My wife called me crazy. From being some, anyways, we won't go there. From where I came out of, the deepest, darkest pits of hell, to the next day I'm preacher. Next day I'm called by God. Now, I built the shelter. <clears throat> we went to Bunnings. We bought some plastic chairs, Lebanese tarps. Literally, one day I'm going to show you the photo of humble beginnings. How the Lord calls someone from nothing into something for his glory. And believe me, I'm nothing. I don't say this because I'm someone. But I tell you that God makes nothing into something. That's for everyone here. Amen. We all have a great purpose in front of us. Amen. But that's just the beginning. So I went, I went and built the shelter. Everyone laughed at me. I, couldn't, I haven't even read the Bible yet. I stuttered and I was scared to speak to one person. And I went outside after I built it and have an overhead projector, some Lebanese tarps. I put some gas heaters because it was in winter. And I started to print off um, some papers. I started with one lady in, the, in my Bible studies. And I went outside at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, Lord, how are you going to send them to me? My literal words. How are you going to send them to me? 
And what am I going to say? I'm scared, Lord. But in that moment, I had a feeling of when I was in hell, when I was in fear, when I was in prison. And I had that feeling come upon me again in that moment after he delivered me from all those things. And I remembered when I was in that room crying, ready to take my life for two years and eight months. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, stopped working. And I remembered all those feelings. And I said, Lord, I'll do anything you tell me. Thank you for giving me a new life. And in that moment, I wept like a baby. There was no one there with me. There was no one there but my next door neighbor. And I'll tell you that story after. And I was crying. And I remembered what the Lord done for me. Can I tell you something? I'm here because what the Lord done for me. I can't tell you. He deserves everything from me. Because of what he done for me. I will never forget what the Lord done for me. He took me out of the deepest darkness, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I will never forget what he done for me. He deserves everything. Because even though I didn't know him, he knew me. And I looked up and out of the blue sky came a lion with an angel dressed as a rainbow worshipping the lion. And then I saw the dragon underneath the angel. And I come to lock eyes with the lion and electricity hit my heart like a massive knife pierced my heart. I fell to the ground one hour later to get up thinking what just happened to me and in that moment I started from one lady to six weeks later 150 people in my backyard in my kitchen in my bathroom in my living room God it doesn't matter how you start in life it matters how you start with Jesus <laughs> I'll never forget what he done for me. I can't tell you how much he is willing to do so much for everyone here. And then my journey started from seven, six or seven years preaching now, in the, started in the backyard of my shelter, to having the most amazing moments with the Lord. Now when I woke up from the encounter with the Holy Spirit when I woke up with my face in the dirt I started to scream to the Lord thank you Jesus screaming from the loudest of my voice and all I hear is Rabia my next door neighbor Rabia Kelshi Oret oh my god he just stuck his head out of the fence to see if I'm alright and I got a bit of mud on my face and I went to the ground okay yeah yeah I'm just lying down here I share this with you to give you a hope that Jesus is no respecter of man. When I tell you I seeked him, I seek, I seeked him and went after him because I know now in my heart he is the meaning of life. There's no backup plan, I know that. There's no I'm going to try him out, I know that. I know he's the meaning of life and that's enough for me. And that has to be enough for you. For him to be not only your saviour, but the Lord, the one who leads you and dictates you, there must be no backup plan. Jesus is everything or he's nothing. 
I'll share one little more encounter and believe me, I'm not making this up. Word for word, what I say is what I saw with my own eyes. And I've been taken to heaven several times. I saw angels. I saw demons. My whole journey, I didn't ask for it. In fact, I asked not to see nothing evil because I was scared out of my brains. But one day I led this man to the Lord and I said, come to my house. We're going to worship the Lord. And believe me, us Lebanese, the hardest thing is to sing to the Lord. Yeah? Uh, there's something about it. Uh, the Middle Eastern people, you sing to the Lord, they look at you, there's something wrong with you. But they sing R&B songs, everyone's on the table, sing Lebanese songs, everyone's going down and everyone's doing whatever they're doing. But they sing for the Lord, something wrong with them. But in heaven, that's all they do. Day and night, they worship and they sing to Him. So we started to worship Him. And believe me, I was never open to singing. When I used to preach, it was just preach. No one sing, nothing. Everyone go home. So worship got introduced when we started to sing and do all the things that we're meant to do. Okay? So when I started to worship the Lord, we didn't know how to sing. We didn't know any Christian songs. Me and this man went outside, word for word, believe me. We went outside and we started to sing about his goodness. We started to thank him for what he done for us because this man got amazingly delivered. And let me tell you what I saw. I saw a man walking on the cloud. And from that cloud, he looked down to see who's worshipping the Lord. Now, I didn't know who it was. I thought it was the Lord doing this. It can probably be an angel. I don't know. But he looked down to see who is worshipping the Lord. And we started to cheer and scream in our backyard because God hears us when we sing to him. And you may think, you know, you're singing a song to open your heart, to feel, to feel happy again. You draw his attention to you. And I like to share some experiences because I'm always preaching hard truth, hard word. You never see the, what made me like this. And I like to share that there's nothing greater than an experience. There's nothing greater than experiencing the Lord. Because then you know what you read is actually true. And let me tell you something, I went after him. And nothing has changed to this day. Nothing. What's changed is more maturity and more wisdom to understand how he operates. Amen? So I'd like to share that experience. One day, I'm going to get a massive portrait to show you how a calling turns into something that's chosen. And to be chosen is not to be saved. Everyone is called to be saved. It doesn't mean if you're saved, you are chosen. Did you hear? It doesn't mean if you're saved, you're chosen. The majority of Christians, they declare Jesus Christ their Savior, and they're saved. But it doesn't mean you're chosen and fit to do His work on earth. This is where this teaching comes. So are we ready today? I hope so. Okay. 
So what was the first one last week? What was the first principle? He what, sorry? He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Clap for this man. I don't see him much and he already got the answer. Second one. Humility, humble yourself, amen. Third one. Third one. Holiness, he calls you to what? A holy life. Yes. Number four. Your character. Number five. Not yet, huh? Very good. Very good. This one now. What do you think the fifth step would be? Come on, let's get the crowd working. What do you think the fifth step would be? So what do you think is connected to character? Come on, have a go, someone. What do you think is connected to character? And it's a major attribute of your journey with the Lord. Anyone? Have a deep think about it. What's that, sorry? Close. Close. You see my notes, David? <laughs> what do you think is after godly character? What's close to a character of your heart or character of your mind? What do you think? You can't, don't, no buying vowels, no buying letters here. Where is that? Where is that? So what do you think? What do you think? Think about your journey. What do you think comes after that? Everyone's quiet now. What do you think comes after that? What do you think comes after character? What's that, sorry? Loyalty? Discipline? Anyone else? Obedience? They're all good answers, but not the one I'm looking for. Good conscience. It's good. They're all good answers, but I'm looking for one particular one that holds a lot of things in that area. I already said holiness. Time in His presence. What's that? Sorry? Identity. Willing to change, sanctification, we are like every bubble word now. 
No Google, please. Amen. You say something? Conviction? Not yet. Consistency? I can't hear. Peace? Hope? Now we're doing fruits of the Spirit. Let's go into fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Wisdom? T take it easy. Take it easy. Anointing, wisdom, accountability. I really spoke accountability last week. That means you didn't hear nothing. Love, <laughs> values. Think about think about yourself. Huh? No, not self lock. Think about yourself. <laughs> So three more, three more chances. Action. Self-examination. What was that? I was saying that sounded off. So, come on, let's get this going. You said every word in the Bible, actually, and you missed the most important one. So, that's it. You know, every time I actually ask questions, I people uh, don't dig deep to think. What, comes, what, what do you think is connected to character? What's that, sorry? Clap for David. Thank the Lord. After 150 tries, <laughs> 150, he named the genealogy of the behavior. Oh. <laughs> uh. You know what, I think I'm just going to finish them all and I'm going to dig deep into their behavior, yeah? You want me to finish them all? Just quickly read what they are about the process and then I'll go for it, okay? Okay. So do you want me to do Q&A again or I'll just read them? I'll just read them, I'll just read them. Uh, believe me, I'll just read them. So the sixth step. He calls you to live righteously and to suffer for Christ. Now, I'm not going to... Yeah, that would take me too much. That would take me too far. So, the sixth step. He calls you to live righteously and to suffer for Christ. Whoever wants to write that down, it's for... This is about how to walk in your calling. This, these are precisely how, you, how God calls you. Okay? So the sixth step, he calls you to live righteously and to suffer for Christ. The seventh step is the interesting one. He called you not to repay evil for evil or insult for insult, that you may inherit a what? That you may inherit a blessing. 
Now, how many people are missing out on God's blessings because they react in the flesh? How dare him treat me like this? Jesus already told you how you're going to be treated. Paul said, I've become the scum of the earth. How does that make you feel? But he didn't open his mouth. Because he, judged, he, he gave his heart to the one who judges what? Rightly. God's your defender. Now let me tell you something. Whenever you are persecuted, whenever you are attacked, whenever you're laughed at, looked down, whatever it is, and you respond in the flesh, you miss out on the blessing that was given to you before the foundation of the universe. Because so many people respond in the flesh. The Bible says, no insult for insult, no evil for evil, so that you may inherit a blessing. Yeah. This is what he calls you. The Bible says he called you to inherit a blessing. I don't, I don't want to go here because it's going to open up such a deep teaching. The eighth step. You were called to fellowship with Jesus, which will empower you in speech and spiritual gifts through his power. This is how God wants to find you before he returns. Now, isn't that interesting? First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Now we're in the eighth step. Now he's introducing spiritual gifts to us. What happens when we get saved? We straight away focus more on what God can do through us than what he needs to do inside of us. Yes, did you hear? This is the problem with Christianity today. The eighth step is now you're walking in spiritual gifts and you're walking in the power of God. The eighth step, first heart, second heart, third heart, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh heart. Eighth, signs and wonders, power of God. Isn't that interesting? So for all the ones that want to bypass and want to be used for God, Unfortunately, he'll bring you back to the very place of changing your heart. Okay, everyone? Is that clear, everyone? The ninth step. He calls you to complete the works of faith so that Jesus' name can be glorified on his return. So these are all scriptures regarding how Jesus wants to find us. But can I give a bit of wisdom? The eighth step. You're walking in spiritual gifts now. You're walking in the power of God. Heart. Renewal of the mind. Character. Behavior. Becoming the image of Christ. Then he starts to give you spiritual gifts to glorify his name and to use you as a vessel on earth. Yes? Us Middle Eastern people very dangerous. And I say this openly. Because many come out of rejection in our tradition. Many come out of wanting to be someone. Many people come out of loneliness. So a spiritual gift in the beginning of the journey can, can allow their hearts to feel a type of comfort rather than letting the Lord Jesus heal that and deal with that rejection. 
deal with that loneliness. Because a spiritual gift can deal with loneliness. You know how? All the people will come to you. Uh, I'm speaking to myself or? Rejection and loneliness, when you have a gift from God, people, you attract people. Yeah, and you would think, well, I don't feel like this anymore because God's using me. But God didn't deal with that rejection. God didn't deal with that, with that identity issue in your heart. So the people that are attracted to you, yeah, are there because of a void in your heart where you think, well, I want more to be used by God because then more of the people would accept me. But the real issue is your heart. Does someone understand this? I'm talking gibberish. So many Christians today, they're hiding behind their spiritual gift where God has to do a work in their heart because the spiritual gift doesn't complete you. It actually equips you. It equips you for God's work. So a lot of people that come out of rejection, a lot of people that come out of loneliness, a lot of people that come from nothing, it's very dangerous in the beginning to go after the gifts. Because that can bypass what God needs to do inside your heart. Do we understand? Okay. Is everyone good? No one's cold. No one's warm. No one's cold. Everyone's good. Cold? Can we just put the aircon down a bit? Jesse, you put the aircon up? I think you just finished the gym session. And it's put the aircon on now. <laughs> So can I share something with you? I've faced this with many people that have come from nothing and they want to be someone for God. The hardest thing that I faced is sitting them down and letting them see that rejection, letting them see that loneliness, letting them see that it's an identity issue. No gift from God can deal with your identity. No gift from God can fix your heart. Do you understand? So a lot of people tell me, I'll be happy when God starts to use me. I'm sorry, you're not happy in general. Do we understand that? The moment you hide behind something that God can give, regarding your happiness or your joy to be complete, you're deceived. Do we understand that, someone? I think I'm ready to slowly start to speak about this. Okay. So I didn't want to go there. I don't know why I went there. But he calls you to work on your behavior that reflects your relationship with God. Can we go to Second Peter? Chapter 1, verse 4 to 12. Now, I want to speak about this because the Holy Spirit told me that He wants me to break down this scripture alone. Are we ready? You're going to learn something powerful today. Let's read it. Now, if there's something that you, you bookmark or you highlight in your Bible, it's this scripture here. Yes? Let's read it here. <clears throat> so 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 to 12, it says, For by these he has bestowed on us precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value, so that by them 
you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of this reputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith. Now, has someone ever thought about how to exercise your faith? The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please him. Because the one who comes to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. On the basis of what? Regarding your faith. Now a lot of people think faith is to heal. Faith is to speak in God's name. Faith is to cast out demons. That's the least of it. Faith that he's speaking about here is reflecting your character and your behavior. Are we understanding someone? Okay. For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence and in moral excellence, knowledge. Now here, and, oh sorry, we'll keep going. Uh, moral excellence and in moral ex um, excellence, knowledge, insight, understanding, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, steadfastness, and in your steadfastness, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly affection. And in your brotherly affection, develop Christian love. That is, learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do the things for their benefit. For as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regards to the true knowledge and greater understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is what? Blind. Now, if there's ever a scripture that you have to bookmark and study, it's this one. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, closing his spiritual eyes to the truth, having become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling. What are we studying today? How to walk in your calling. Character and behavior is a major part of your calling. Your character and behavior can either make you or break you. Do you know that? Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to, to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that your behavior reflects and conforms your relationship with God. For by doing these things actively, developing these virtues, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. Interesting, isn't it? Now, now the end result of true faith and the true work of God Live a life that others that lead others away from sin. That's the end result of true faith. Does your life lead others away from their sin? That's what we are called to walk in. Amen.
had some stories to share. I preached to two DJs in the last two years. I like to share. I preached to two DJs in the last two years, two of them. One of them that I preached to, he came the next week with his DJ equipment and he sold them to the ministry. He gave it all up because he knew that this path only leads to more ungodliness. This man sold his DJ equipment. The other man that I preached to was also a DJ. And this is the first time the Lord told me this. He gave me a dream about this man. And he said to me, invite him to hear what I've told you. Don't tell him what I've told you. So when I saw him, I said, the Lord showed me something about you. And the Lord told me to tell you that if you want to hear, come and ask me. He didn't return. God was offering him a way of repentance, offering him a way of the true truth. But he knew deep down that he does not want to change. And that's the difference from knowing something that's wrong and choosing to lay it down at the feet of Christ. And this man laid it down at the feet of Christ. And I want to share these things I cherish. You know why? Because when you're, when you're quick to lay it down, then you're quick to be restored and quick to be recovered by the Lord. You, you, you choose to hold on to your old life. What does the Bible say? You will what? You will lose your life. You won't gain it. You will lose it further. More destruction will come upon your house. More attacks will come upon your house. More darkness will infiltrate your heart because you've chosen to reject the one and only gospel. It's called repentance. This man saw that if I'm going to continue my life in the world, more ungodliness and more darkness will infiltrate my heart. And he came with his equipment. No one told him to do anything. He came with his equipment. That's a sign of true repentance, right? Right? When Jesus entered that man's house, does anyone know what happened? He gave one third back to the people. You remember in the gospel, repentance came to his heart. So I'll just share with you how repentance actually works. Anyways, it was sad. First time ever the Lord told me to ask him if he wants to hear. And he said, I'll come back to you, just give me a sec. He ran for his life. And isn't that sad? He's not running from me. He's running from his maker. The one who called him and died for him. So faith is built on the one major foundation called virtue. 
Can we have that scripture in the New King James Version? I just wanted to read in the Amplified first. First, uh, Second Peter chapter one, verse four to twelve. So, why I chose this? Um, where's Daniel? Is Daniel here? Yeah. So Daniel, Daniel gets me to choose the photos too now. And he and I and I said to myself, I'm gonna choose this photo. Can we go back to the photo if you don't mind? I said I'm gonna choose this photo because there's a decision you have to make. And that decision for that man to remain in his old life, I, I can only do what I've ever known and whatever has worked for me, chose the path, the, the place that's barren. That's what happens to your life when you choose to remain in your old self. You can have weaknesses, you can have troubles, you can have challenges, but if you choose to remain and hold on to your old way of life, the way you do things, that's what awaits you. Unfortunately, that's what awaits you because you're not your own anymore. You have been bought at a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. So choosing to hold on to your old life and being afraid to put your trust in Jesus Christ, unfortunately, this is what awaits. I don't, I don't know any other way to say it to you. He took, the, he took the greatest step to bring his equipment here. You know why he brings his equipment here? And he didn't keep it out of his house because he could have been tempted to go back to it when things get hard. You have to see what the Lord is doing in this man. The Lord maybe gave him a conviction in his heart that if times get tough, I can always go back to the way I used to make money and the way I used to live. But he said, God honored him for this. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about this, but I just want to share. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about this. The Holy Spirit said, pay attention. He bought it to me. He bought it to me so he doesn't go back to it ever again. That's true conviction. That's only given from God. Right? Because imagine you have something and you keep it in your house. You can always go back to it. Right? So imagine people here that are taking antidepressants and taking medication. They put it in their drawer. The enemy knocks. There's something wrong with your mind. Something wrong with your emotions. But it's in your drawer. You've held on to it. You didn't take that leap to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and destroy it. That's how it is with faith. You understand? I prayed for one lady. Uh, what's the Down syndrome, the 98% Down syndrome, the baby. And she didn't come to hear me preach in the service. I was at uh, Wentworthville preaching. She just came for me to pray. And she came with the doctor's report. She came with the doctor's report and I had the Bible in my hand. And believe me, the Holy Spirit inspired me to understand what I was doing. And the Holy Spirit said, tell her to rip the Bible. And she said, how can you even say that? I said, rip the Bible because one's a lie, one's the truth. You came carrying your doctor's report, I come carrying the Bible. Rip one that you believe. And, and I, I just met her. I just met her. But the Holy Spirit's instructing me. And she was angry. 
I said, Rip one, I come carrying the word of life. You come carrying something that's in the physical. That may be true, but this one's spiritual. We don't walk. By side, we walk. Rip this one. She says, No. And I said, So what do you want me to do for you? She goes, I want to believe this one, but I'm leaning towards this one. That's enough for the Holy Spirit to come and heal her because she confessed what she's really believing. Like that man, I believe, help my unbelief. She confessed, that's enough for the Holy Spirit to work. And I said, can I tell you something? Would you testify? She never came back. Would you testify if Jesus heals the child? And I saw it was a boy in her womb. And I said, would you testify if Jesus heals your child? She goes, I will. And the Lord, uh, eight weeks later, come, the baby's free. But look what the Lord said to her. Rip one. And all the Lord needed is just an honest confession. I want to believe in this. I want to believe in this, but I'm leaning towards that one. That's enough. Just a glimpse of faith for the Lord to move. Another lady, I'm here now, I'm opening up in testimonies. Another lady came to my house. Another lady came to my house because she's going to get rid of her baby in her womb. And she come so I can pray for her so it comes out safely. Like to abort the baby. And she's coming to me. She's coming to me um, to abort the baby. And she says, listen, I want to get prayers for you. And the Holy Spirit told me she wants to abort the baby. And then I said, uh, Lord, how, how do I fix this? And then the Lord said to her, get her son. He's eight years old at that time. And go get a knife from the kitchen and say, kill him. And I said, can you bring your son, please? And I bought a butcher's knife. Because that's what she's doing in her stomach. <laughs> I said, sister, uh, I'm going to get you a butcher's knife. She goes, yeah, what am I going to do with this? I said, kill your son. Because you have a baby girl in there in your stomach. And that's what you're going to do to what you can see in the physical. And she dropped a knife and she kept her child. But you see the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he convicted her to show her what she's doing in the natural. She's really doing it from inside of her. So the Holy Spirit is the one who brings you to a place, just a glimpse of faith so he can work. The baby... Uh, came out and she brought her to a house and we cried and we thanked the Lord Jesus because that baby that was meant to die will actually serve the Lord now. God will actually make it happen. I don't know how he'll make it happen but he'll make it happen because what people see as uh, what people see as a, I don't want to borrow this child what she done in the womb, she probably hurt that child. And Jesus will raise it up to shine for him. But I just share with you these testimonies uh, to open your heart. Jesus just needs a glimpse of faith. Tell him the truth. But it's interesting, right? The Holy Spirit told me to get a knife, like a butcher one, and kill her son in front of her. 
But that's what she's doing when they put her to sleep or whatever they do, whatever they do. That's what they actually do. They put a knife or a needle to get to that sperm and kill the child. <coughs> Anyways, let's get back to this one. What holds faith together? It's called virtue. And can I bless you? If you want to build a good foundation, a healthy foundation in the Lord, virtue must be the foundation that you build on. Now, let me give you the explanation of virtue. So the, Web the Webster's Dictionary <clears throat> defines virtue as a conformity to a standard that is right. <clears throat> a person of virtue makes the progression from knowing what is right to doing what is right. Okay, now here, just hear me out now. This scripture is showing you how to excel as a believer. We all want to excel here, right? Yes? So the true definition of virtue, this is the foundation that you build on. A person of virtue makes the progression makes the progression from knowing what is right to doing what is right. That's the definition of virtue. So when you read that scripture, you're knowing now that the first step of God establishing my faith is not only to know what is right, but to begin to put it into practice. Okay? Now listen to this definition, please. A person of virtue makes the progression from knowing what is right to doing what is right. He or she intentionally chooses what to say, do, and value, reaching beyond the good towards the best. Is that how you treat your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you just happy to stay where you are? Are we listening? This is virtue. He or she intentionally chooses what to say, do, and value, reaching beyond the good towards the best. In every situation, a virtuous person knows that they have an opportunity to honor the Lord and reflect Him to others. To be called virtuous, a person must consistently display a high level of excellence in his or her life, it's not a matter of reaching perfection. Rather, it is a call to adopt and practice those principles that keep us growing in godly grace. Virtue is not only based on doing good, but full of potential and power to make things in and around us better. That's the definition of virtue. Is that your approach with God? in your heart now, in your mind, and in your walk? Is it to make things in you, your heart, your mind, your flesh, and around you better in the Lord? Is that how you treat your journey with the Lord? You have to ask yourself, because that's the foundation of faith. And isn't it interesting here that the, found, the true foundation of faith is that you're not going to have everything together in the beginning but you can walk towards having everything getting better in your life. What blessed me about the word virtue, it's not how you start. 
It's how you begin to work with him. Now, do you see the meaning of virtue? We understand that, right? So is that how you approach your journey with the Lord? To make things in you and around you better for the Lord. <clears throat> he or she intentionally chooses what to say, do and value, reaching beyond the good towards the best. Now you keep hearing the scripture, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Now there's always a standard that reaches the place of perfection. There is. And God wants us to climb towards that. But is that how you look towards your journey? Or you're just going with the flow, whatever happens, happens. Is that how you treat your journey? Because we're not meant to be confused. We're not meant to be ineffective in our journey. Virtue is the beginning for everything. And what does that tell you? He or she wants to get things better in and around us. What does that tell you? What, what word comes to you when you hear that? That what is everything? It starts with an A. I'm going to speed it up a bit. It starts with an A. What is everything in the beginning? Your what? Attitude. Your attitude is everything. Because Christ is in you now. Greater is the one who's in you than the one who's in the world. He's in you now. You can achieve this. The Bible says the same spirit that rose Jesus from dead is living in you now. You can achieve this. The attitude is everything. Yes? In the beginning, attitude is everything. That you're, Are you a can person? Or are you the one who complains about every situation? Or sorry, I'll rephrase that. Are you the one that blames everyone for every situation? Are you a can person with Christ? What did, who's a can person in the Bible? I can do. Attitude is everything. I just spoke about in the beginning when I started to preach at around 6.30. What attracts the Holy Spirit into your life? Your attitude. Are you a can person? Or are you a person who complains? Some people complain. Some people blame people. Some people live in the past. Some, some people fantasize about the future. Are you a person that works with what's evident in your life? Attitude is everything. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. I've got to go through these scriptures. <clears throat> God the Father heard Jesus Christ because one of the attributes he walked in was virtue. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. It says, you have loved righteousness. Who's he speaking about? Who's he speaking about here? He's speaking about Jesus Christ. It says here, you have loved righteousness, integrity, virtue, and uprightness in purpose, and have hated lawlessness, injustice, sin. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your 
companion. Now, isn't that interesting that when you function in virtue, the character of virtue, to make things around you from good to the best, what are you gifted with? Joy, gladness, you begin to enjoy your journey. How many people enjoy their journey here? Or how many people are in a grind? How many people enjoy their journey with the Lord? How many people are in disappointment? How many people are in discouragement? How many people are weary and frustrated? If you walk in one of the characteristics and the attributes of God called virtue, from, from, from starting somewhere to working to get to the best place with the Lord, He, he anoints you with the greatest thing that you can walk in is the oil of gladness. Do you know how important it is to have joy in your journey? Because what does joy produce? That's why so many people are weak. The Bible says the joy of the Lord, it's your strength. Why does strength fail for so many believers today? It's because they're not focusing on getting better with the Lord Jesus. Am I speaking to someone here? Or? When your journey is to walk in the attributes of God and His characteristics through your behavior, He gives you joy. And let me tell you something, your journey begins when you have joy. For many years I lack joy. I speak on my behalf. I was miserable, struggled in my journey. I was always fueled on what I can do for him rather than enjoying his presence. Now I enjoy his presence. Why? Because he loves me. My fuel is not based on my fuel is not based on what I can do for him. My fuel and my true reflection of Christ is based on how much I rest and have joy in him. Because if you're going to go out there and you don't have joy, what are you going to preach? What are you going to preach if you don't have joy? The doom and gloom gospel? Many people preach the doom and gloom gospel. It's the love that brings you to repentance. Right? And joy is a major factor in someone's journey. And that attribute is virtue. Your heart in your journey is not to be content where you started, but to always better yourself in Christ, to keep yourself pure, to have a motivation to become more and more into the image of Christ. That's what virtue is. And isn't it interesting, in the body of Christ today, so many people are lacking the oil of gladness. Can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit will never teach anyone who doesn't have joy. The platform for the Holy Spirit to speak and to teach so many people is based on your joy with the Lord. Because if you're not enjoying His sacrifice on your behalf, then what are you really enjoying? If you're not enjoying His death that He paid for you in full, then what are you actually enjoying? That's why so many people are lacking the oil of gladness, <clears throat> because one of the virtues is they remain where they are. 
Okay, that's the first scripture. Psalms 11, 7, please. Is anyone getting this? Isn't that interesting that when you focus on God's attributes and character over your life, He gives you the greatest gift. I believe one of the greatest gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ is not only peace, but having joy. Because when you have joy, you enter prayer with a motivation. You enter prayer happy, you knowing that God is with you. Now, Psalms 11.7, it says, For the righteous Lord loves justice, the virtuous will see his face. For the choir director of Psalms of David, to be accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument. I didn't want to have that there, but I just read it. So the virtuous will see his face. So you begin to see here, when a person's focusing on living righteously with the Lord, God sees virtue operating in your life. And what happens here? What happens here? Does this ring a bell from the New Testament? Blessed are they who are... Blessed are they who are pure, for they shall. Does that ring a bell, someone? You begin to see here. One of the main attributes of being virtuous person is purity. Your, your virtue, your vision is to be pure with the Lord. Do we understand that, someone? So here he's showing us that if we function and operate in the area called virtue, he will bless us. Proverbs 21, 29. Now this is a big one. Very big one. Can everyone see that? <clears throat> Can anyone see that? What does the virtuous person do? What's the opposite of thinking before you act? What's the opposite of thinking before you act? Now, no one wants to say anything now. What's the opposite of thinking before you act? Being suspicious, overthinker, anyone else? No one wants to talk now. Easily offended, rebellious, loud, anymore? Rude, selfish. So look at this here. The wicked bluff their way through, but the virtuous think before they act. Now, the way that I see it here, the virtuous think before they act, it's deeper than that. The virtuous always go back to what God says. That's the true meaning of being a virtuous person. What does God do in this situation? 
Anyways, we keep going. Proverbs 19.11. This is in the Good News Bible. I'm going to the good news now. <clears throat> if you are sensible, you will control your temper. When someone wrongs you, it is a great virtue to ignore it. Next one, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. This is the greatest virtue out of all of them. <clears throat> it says, therefore, <clears throat> as God's chosen people. Now, what are we now? Many are called, but now he's talking about the chosen ones. Why? Because they inherited this greatest virtue in their journey. Can someone see that? He's talking about now these people are the chosen ones because they operate in one major principle called love. Therefore, as God's chosen people, you see the attributes now? Holy, deity loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Above all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So you begin to see here what Christ wants from us. Now he's talking about the chosen ones. Kindness, humility, holiness, love is the greatest from them. You begin to see here, can I ask you something? What did we come here to learn today? What did we come to learn here today? I'll tell you what you came to learn here, the way to God. This is the way to God. Why have we believed in the past there is an easier way to get to Him? Without a deep cultivation of the soul. If you don't plow the field of your heart, you will never get there. Do we understand that, anyone? If you don't plow your heart and do the hard work, where you deeply reflect and examine yourself, you will never get there. We cannot be shallow anymore. We have to understand that the deepest works inside of us. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty two. <clears throat> now look at the pattern of of how it works. It says here run away from youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those believers who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And the next one, this is from the Message Bible. I chose this one because it's, it used the word virtue. And there's, there's nothing wrong for it, so don't trouble yourself about it. So Titus chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. So the word that they replaced in the, all the other translation is good. This one speaks about virtue. Okay, are we ready with this? 
Have you ever heard about a solid doctrine? Yes, the baby responded. So there is a solid doctrine that God wants us to actually operate in. Hebrews 6 is one of them. This is another one. So <clears throat> your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. What is our job? To speak out on things that are of solid food. Can I share something with you? And it'll probably scare you. But can I share one way how God spoke to me many years ago? Do you want to hear? Yes? I'd like to let the light come on me and share how the Lord warned me about something. Many years ago, I went through a struggle in my journey. And things were ramping up in many areas of my life. So I had a dream that night. I had three days of trouble. And I was fasting and I felt like everything is going upside down in my journey. Yes? You want to hear? I kept hearing cracks. I kept hearing cracks in real life. And I shared it with a few people. I kept hearing cracks in real life. And I fell asleep that night. And I fell asleep. And then I saw my tooth in my dream. It's cracking, not falling out. It's cracking. And then from that crack... I felt like it's slowly coming out. And then I heard the Holy Spirit speak. Because through those trials and challenges that I had for three days, I wasn't in the Lord in the way that I normally am. And I heard cracks in the back of my teeth. And I woke up troubled because I dreamed. The Lord speaks to me through dreams most of the times. Now he speaks in a voice, but he speaks in dreams too with me. And I said to the Lord, why did I have a dream that my teeth is cracking? And I like to share because I always share about all oh, the amazing dreams of the road with the gold. And that. I want to speak about how he warned me. I like to speak. And I'm not afraid because there's many things the Lord's doing in my heart. And the dream, my back teeth was cracking. I said to the Lord, why did I have this dream? You have to tell me because I heard cracks in real life, but there's nothing cracking around me. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I warn you that if you let these things get to you, you will not be able to eat meat with me anymore because a tooth is used to eat meat. Did you hear that, someone? How do you think I felt after I heard that? And he said, if you don't pursue and move forward, he said, you'll go back to the milk with me. Does God speak like that? He surely does. Paul keeps talking about make sure that you don't fall from your secured position. Every day must be careful with the Lord. Because a mountain symbolic of the presence of God, right? But to climb a mountain, you test every little rock to see if it's loose to put your foot on it. But to fall down, you fall with everything. Isn't that true? And he said to me, be careful, because you won't be able to eat meat with me anymore. And what do the mature do? They get solid food. Now, are you afraid of that? How the Lord spoke to me. I worked so hard every day to be with the Lord every day and to work with him by his grace. 
But in moments it can be spoiled. When your emotions and your flesh gets in the way. Did you hear someone? So I shared a warning about myself. How do you think I felt after that? I trembled. And I said, Lord, don't let my heart fail me. And everything was ramping up on me. Everything. And I was challenged from many things. Worry, fear, so many things. And he said to me, be careful that I don't jeopardize my journey in relationship with him. Every cliff you climb, you check every walk to see if you can put a foot there because you are so careful, you don't want to fall. You've climbed the mountain so high. That's how it is in the presence of God. So anyways, I keep going. Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide other men into lives of temperance, dignity and wisdom, into healthy faith. Everyone say healthy faith. Healthy faith. Remember I shared about that man? A man, worldwide preacher. Not to attack him in any way. He said, whenever you don't know what's going on in your life, go under a tree or go sit on a mountain and scream to the Lord, I don't know what you're doing. That's what Christianity has become like. Where we have the book of life, we have the Holy Spirit, the instructor that never leaves us nor forsakes us. But if we don't put the effort in, this is what gets produced. Emotional Christian. Emotional Christian. Into healthy faith, love and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossipers nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. Be virtuous and pure. Keep a good house, be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. Also, guide young men to live disciplined lives. What's it called? Solid doctrine. But you offend me. This is called solid doctrine. Okay. Second step, I'll, I'll cover this one and I will stop. Knowledge. Now I'm going to work the crowd for this one. You don't mind, do you? After I gave that prophetic dream about the warning for me, you don't mind if I share now? I'll work the crowd now. Be at peace, be at peace. From virtue to knowledge. Now let me ask you something. How do you think God created knowledge for a person who just begins to a person who's plowing the field and the end result of knowledge? Have you ever thought about that? That knowledge from God, what was it intended to do in the beginning, through the middle process and the end result? I want to preach about that today. So you can have an understanding about what is knowledge? Would you like to know? 
because I believe this is a major topic here. Can we go to Proverbs 24.4, please? Let's see. Uh, so look at the blessing here. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Yes? We see the benefit of knowledge, right? There's a benefit that our rooms, our heart, will be filled up with treasures that are from God. Now, Proverbs 19.2. Please, I want you to pay attention here because from this you're going to see the level that you walk in according to the knowledge of God. Now, let's read this together. Desire without knowledge is not good. Now, now how does that look for us today? You have so much zeal that you love Christ but you're not established on the knowledge of God. This is Christianity. I love Jesus, yeah, but, but you've got to fix this area of your life. I love Jesus, stop. <laughs> it's actually so true. But sister, you're so judgmental. Jesus doesn't look at me like this anymore. See, they're not principled on the knowledge of God. This here, he's saying here, desire without knowledge is not good. You can have so much zeal, you can have so much love for God, but if you don't mature in the knowledge of God and understand what it means to begin the process of it and the end result, guess what happens? You'll be the I love Jesus, no one talk to me. Are you that one? I love Jesus, no one talk to me. It's funny, right? Now you know how I feel. <laughs> I love Jesus. No one talk to me. Now, desire with knowledge, what does it do? Miss the way. What does Jesus say? I am the way. I am what? I am the way. What is a way? There's a way of knowledge that has to be imprinted in you. But that's Christianity today. I can't tell you. By this time now, I need Kevla Ama. The Kevla Ama. How many times the Holy Spirit takes me into situations and shows me for their benefit. So Satan gets out of their life, sin gets out of their life, and God's order is come upon that person. But that's the Christianity today. I love Jesus. No one say nothing to me. It's sad. But it wasn't like this in the New Testament believers. It wasn't like this. They were all teachable. They were all accountable. They were all loving. And everything that they spoke was all on good ground. It wasn't like this in the New Testament. They were what? One heart. One heart, one mind. One accord. And nothing that was theirs belonged to them anymore. No one, no one quotes that anymore. What do you mean? I worked hard for that. That's mine. Are you sure it's yours? I better stop preaching now. 
I get in trouble. They were one heart, one mind, one accord. Nothing that they possessed belonged to them anymore. One day I'll do a series of what it means to have true repentance according to the scriptures. And you'll think, wow, Lord, change me. Everything I have, I still count it as my own. And that may be truthful, but he can help you to surrender it to him. I think I stopped now a little bit. So, the Webster's Dictionary defines knowledge as ignorance is the curse of God, knowledge is the wings where we fly into heaven. Did you hear that? My people are destroyed from... <clears throat> Okay, so what's the first area regarding knowledge that God intended according to the scriptures? So when you, come, when you first come to Christ, what is, why is knowledge needed? What's the first step do you think of why knowledge is needed when you first come to Christ? What do you think? What's the first thing that God has to do? Cheers. What's the first encounter you have with knowledge? What's that, sorry? Understanding. Conviction, fear of the Lord. It's, it's something simple. Just think a little bit. What's the first encounter you have with knowledge? Thank God. David's awake today. Salvation. Let's go to the scripture. Now, I'm going to take you step by step of what knowledge does. Okay? Okay. Be patient with me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. So remember, virtue, virtue without knowledge is meaningless. Why? Because you want to do good, but you don't have instructions from knowledge to do good. Virtue and knowledge are the partners now. So what's this here? He wants all people to be what? And come to a knowledge of truth. So the first process is salvation. Okay, we have salvation here, right? Yeah, let's look at the second step now. <clears throat> What do you reckon is the second step? Salvation, this is regarding knowledge now. So, I'll give you that. What's the beginning of knowledge? So, salvation first, what's the beginning of knowledge? It's scripture. Fear of the Lord, who said fear of the Lord? Clap for Sharon. Thank the Lord Jesus. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? So look now here. We go to New King James, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So 
So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Did I get the right scripture? No, so it's the wrong scripture, sorry. I made a mistake here. Go to Isaiah 33, verse 6. This scripture is from Proverbs, whoever wants to search that out. So that scripture that I quoted, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that's from Proverbs. So Isaiah 33, 6. Now look what it says here. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. What is the treasure of knowledge? It's the fear of the Lord. So number two. Number two is the fear of the Lord. Number one is what? Salvation. Number two, fear of the Lord. It's all right. You want to quote it? Yeah, put it up. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So why is the fear of the Lord begin the beginning of knowledge? Why? Can someone tell me why? Can someone tell me why the fear of the Lord is the beginning? Can someone tell me why? What does the fear of the Lord produce? He hates evil, he hates pride, he hates arrogance. That's what the fear of the Lord produces. Hates pride, he hates arrogance. Read it, it's all over the book of Proverbs. So look what it says here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. Now, this is a warning for the body. Because so many people, I'll, I'll, I'll read the scripture. So many people are always learning but never able to put it into practice. Look what it says here. 2 Timothy 3.7 Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Why? Why can someone be always learning, but never able to put it into practice? What major principle are they lacking? The fear of the Lord. Proverbs 12.1 Quickly. For the same one, if the fear of the Lord is not established, you'll be a person who's forever learning, but never able to put it into practice. James speaks about it, the whole chapter. Now, what does the fear of the Lord produce? Discipline. Whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. What is the key to loving knowledge? is loving discipline. We see this. What is the key to knowledge? Is you have to accept the Lord's discipline. At least the baby is agreeing with me. So, the fourth step now, the first one's salvation, the second one's the fear of the Lord, and this is a warning if the fear of the Lord is not established, what do you think the fourth 
procedure is of attaining knowledge. The fourth. So I spoke about first one, salvation. Second one, fear of the Lord. The third one, if the fear of the Lord is not established. The fourth one now is what do you think it is? What do you think it is? He quoted the scripture before. What do you think the fourth step is of how God allows you to walk in knowledge? Virtue? What do you think it is? Let's go to the scripture. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Now, we're seeing here, first salvation, second fear of the Lord, if the fear of the Lord is not established. Now, it's focusing on what? Growing. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever. Amen. So now... There's a focus now on spiritual growth. So we're talking about knowledge here. A lot of people speak about knowledge regarding salvation. But what about your heart? What about your walk? What about your spiritual journey with the Lord? Number five. If you read it in context, you'll probably get the number five very easily. What do you think happens after growth? What's formed in you? New nature, new man. Clap for Matthew. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And what does it say here? And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in what? In knowledge, in the image of its creator. So the new man begins to get formed in you. Because when you're growing, you're growing into the new man that you are in Christ or the new woman you are in Christ. Is that your, is that your direction in your heart? Is that how you treat your journey with the Lord Jesus? Is it? Is that your focus? Is that your everything? Where your, where your relationship with the Lord's not tampered? You're focusing on the right things. What do you think number six is? So you hear about the new man now. What do you think the next procedure is? And this is all from scripture. What do you think the next procedure is? No one? No one. What's the second? What's the the number six? That you're what? And this I pray. He's praying now for the believers. Is this your prayer for your life? Do you pray that God's love can increase more and more in your life, in knowledge and in all discernment? Now it's focusing on the area of love. Now, what do you need love for? What do you need love for now? He's, he's getting you ready for what? He's getting you ready for service. 
Because if you go out in the world and you don't love and it's still about you, you'll get taken out. Do you understand that? Because let me tell you something, the world does not love you. The world is going to hate you because of his name. And if the love of God's not produced, you will wither and sit in your room and won't do anything for the Lord anymore. So you'll get some positive feedback, good fruits happen. You'll get the enemy also attacking you and the world turning against you. Number seven. This is another prayer. So these are the prayers that I prayed for my life. Whenever I hear the disciples or the apostles praying, this is an invitation for you to pray that over your life. Do you understand someone? Because if you need to pray about something, then you have to be established from God in that area. Do we agree? Number seven, anyone? I don't think anyone will get this one. We'll put it up, we don't want to set up the people. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of what? And revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, why do you need the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation? Why? To know Him better. Other translations say to know Him better. But I thought we already know Him. Every one of us needs to get nourished by the Lord. And look at this now. This is a prayer that you pray over your life. But this is regarding virtue. Now we're moving to knowledge now. This is true knowledge. That you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better. Because when you know Him better, you don't live for yourself anymore. Do we understand anyone? Number eight. Anyone want to have a go at this? What do you think follows after the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation? What does it begin to reveal to you? So I already spoke about love. Who said love? <laughs> so, I already, already spoke to you about the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom. The next one, before that, the love may still abound more and more. Now, he wants to reveal something to you. After you know him better, what can he reveal to you? So think about your journey now. After you know him better, what can he reveal to you? His what? Oil of gladness. His what? His will. Who said will? Everyone said will. Huh? No, everyone said will. Huh? <laughs> he can reveal. <laughs> so he can reveal his will to you now. Why? Love has been manifested in you. Love has been manifested in you. Fear of the Lord has been manifested in you. All those things that he wants to birth inside of you are working. Now he can reveal his will to you. Let's go to the scripture. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have, not we have not stopped praying for you. Now they're praying again. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of what? His will now. His will for your life. 
But did you, did you take a step back here? First knowledge, salvation. Second knowledge, fear of the Lord. Third one, if the fear of the Lord is not established, you'll continuously be given over to the flesh. Now you are to focus on spiritual growth to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Now you are to create the new man inside of you. Now you're, foc you're meant to focus on the love of God to increase more in you. Then you need to ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Then you are to focus on his will. But all those things again comes back to your character, comes back to your heart, comes back to how you operate. Can anyone see this? Spiritual gifts are towards the end. His will is slowly towards the end. What that mean? He's not going to throw you into his will if you can't be trusted. He can't throw you into his will if you're not a responsible person. You may be responsible for looking after your family. It doesn't mean you're responsible for the Lord's work. They're two different things. Now, what does that show you from all this teaching? He doesn't throw you in the deep end hoping that it's all going to go well. You have to be established. Does anyone see that? The Lord wants trustworthy people. Not ones who are going to give it a go and if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to the whatever way it works for me. He needs to establish you. Now, why am I finding it hard for people to understand this? He has to establish you. He has to slowly form you into how he created you to be. But look at the procedure. The last resort is his will. The first resort is the fear of the Lord. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. The new man, love may increase more and more. Spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. But you begin to see it's all the heart. And then he sends you out into the world to be a light for him. Nothing is by mistake. He wants responsible and trustworthy people. And you know the truth about it is that anyone who wants to be used by the Lord will be tested. Every one of us, we will be tested by the Lord. And it's true. It's scriptural as well. You know why the believers and Christians are so confused? Because they don't know the process. It's become like a circus. Give me a word. What is God saying to me today? It's become like a circus. That's why I'm in no rush to pray on anyone anymore. Unless the Lord prompts me. But it's become like a circus. Why? Because we're not equipped according to His word. If we are equipped according to His word, believe me, you, the last place you'll come is here. Because of the work that needs to be done in your heart. And yes, God is faithful. He's patient with you. We understand this. But understand there's a process that you have to undergo to become equipped for the Lord's work. Because you're carrying His power after that. You're carrying the Holy Spirit after that. And He doesn't want to have a one-hit wonder or a honeymoon with you. He wants it to last forever. He wants the relationship with Him to last forever and increase more and more. So don't lust for the power. Don't lust to be used by the Lord. Work on the right foundation with Him.
Now, number eight. Can we go back there? Sorry. I got carried away with. Nearly done. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask the God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Number nine, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 13. Now, this is the second step of knowledge. There's another four major principles that completes the believer. And there's a promise that will never be ineffective. In every area of our life will be effective. So look at this here. So Christ, gave, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, the fivefold ministry, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, why did he allow the fivefold ministry to be established in the church? So we can what? So we can be built up. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. What's the final result of knowledge? Maturity. Attaining to the whole measure of what? The fullness of Christ. Some people have a little measure. But what God wants to do in each one of us, He wants us all to come into the fullness of His headship. Do you see the procedure, someone? Now, I'll finish off with this one. Now, everyone might like this scripture. It's talking about blessings. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 12. And I'll finish off here. Look at this here. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. Now look at the procedure. Can someone listen here? This is one of the spiritual keys that God showed me in the beginning of my journey. No spiritual blessing, no spiritual promotion. Any area that God elevates you, it's not by mistake. Can anyone see this? Who wants to be promoted by the Lord? No one? Okay. Who wants to be elevated by the Lord? Who wants to be blessed by the Lord? Now look at the foundation that he blesses on. Look. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given you. And I'll also give you what? Wealth. God doesn't want you to be poor. But if you live for yourself, then he won't give it to you. Because you're going to spend it on your own indulgence. But look what it says here. Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. Now, what's the beginning of knowledge? The fear of the Lord. You're going to, live it to, you're going to serve whatever He gives you to glorify Him. Now, look at the foundation where all the promotions, all the blessings, all the wealth, all the possessions, all the honor is birthed on. Wisdom and knowledge. Now, you see that here? 
Imagine you going after the Lord. Lord, bless me, though he wants to. Lord, honor me, though he wants to. Though he wants to give you possessions, though he wants to give you wealth, and you haven't produced the wisdom and knowledge as your foundation. That's the issue today. So many people want some things from the Lord, but they'll actually, they'll actually end up their enemy. Without knowledge and wisdom in your life, look what it says here. Possessions or honor such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. Now you see the, the, the footprint and the foundation of any blessing coming upon your life? Wisdom and the fear of the Lord. And the knowledge. You start to see where He blesses you. And why, and why God's blessings are attracted to you. Knowledge and wisdom. Read about Him in the Bible. And you will see how much God wants to do for us. Amen. So you see this scripture here in context. Wisdom and knowledge. Then anything that He gives will be for the right service for the Lord. Yes? Lord... Bless me, Lord bless me, so I can be more free for you. That's a hoax. That's a lie. It's not true. When you're established in the fear of the Lord, when you're established in the wisdom of God, guess what happens? Whatever you do after that is to serve the Lord. And I just want to show you something here from this scripture. Look where all the blessings of the Lord are attracted to. And you begin to see the foundation of wisdom and the foundation of knowledge that God wants to establish you on. Amen? Is that by mistake that God puts that scripture in the Old Testament? Is that by mistake? Did he favor any kings in the Old Testament? He favored the ones who were after his heart. But you look at here, what attracts God's blessings to me? And you begin to see here, how many people want to be honored by the Lord here on earth? We all do. How many, how many people want to receive possessions by God's grace? We all do. That's not everything, but He wants us to be happy on earth as well. And you begin to see here, am I focusing on the right foundation? Or have I missed the mark of going after the blessings without the fear of the Lord? Going after all the things without me being uh, produced and matured in the Lord. So bless you all. I wanted to show you this teaching. How, how powerful each word is and what it actually carries. Amen. Did we learn today? Okay, let's pray. Would you ever read the Bible slowly after that scripture that you read? You see virtue and knowledge? You see the power of knowledge now? Is everyone humbled by that procedure? Yes? We have a lot to work on, right? But let's continue in that place. I'll share with you so you can actually be equipped. God doesn't want us to be confused in our journey. How many believers here are confused in their journey? They don't know where they're going anymore. God doesn't want us to be confused. Amen? He wants us to be equipped 
and we have so much to focus on. But when nothing is happening, that's what happens. But when you study the scriptures diligently and you open your heart for the Lord, you'll see how much work needs to be done in our hearts. And can I bless you something here? Spiritual gifts towards the end of your journey. His will towards the end of all the things that He needs to do in your heart and your mind first. So what does that show you? Lifestyle first. Lifestyle first before any promotion from God. Lifestyle first of character and behavior in your heart that reflects who you truly are in Christ. Then whatever you carry from Him will not destroy you. Amen? God wants us to be on good ground, level ground, strong and understanding exactly what He wants to focus on. Don't treat Him any other way from today. Don't treat Him any other way from today. He's given us the Holy Scriptures as a template, also the Holy Spirit. Let them both work together. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Lift your hands to the Lord. Today was a teaching. Today was a teaching, a template to open and expand your mind to understand the work that He has to do inside of you. It's a template for, for you to see it. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus, and we worship you. <clears throat> thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And thank you for allowing us to understand how to walk in true knowledge that comes from you. Lord, I bless your name, and I thank you for what you're going to do for other people. <clears throat> we worship you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you comfort them today, that you give them the desire to seek your face and to live for you. Any struggles, Lord, that stand in their path, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you move any stumbling block, you remove any delays, and allow them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to be at peace and to walk in your joy. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name and we honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're going to do here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord.
<clears throat> Is there anyone here that has been having dreams of seeing bones in their dream? Bones, like human bones in their dream, and you feel like something evil is coming from that. Please, please uh, don't stay there. If you're having dreams where you keep seeing bones, animal bones or human bones, and it's like around the fire, if that's you, come to the front. I want to pray for you. Anyone also who's having dreams and they keep seeing black smoke, come to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be afraid. If the Holy Spirit calls you, you come. He wants to deliver you from what's been coming against you. Anyone seen these things in their dream? A curtain with a black smoke or some type of smoke coming from that place? Come to the front. If it's your first time, so be it. The Lord cares for you. I'm telling you what I see. The rest is up to you. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat>